In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Lord Jesus, today we begin the holy season of Lent, and these words of yours are a great challenge and also a great source of inspiration for us as we start this penitential season. Lord, we want to come after you. We want to live our life in union with you. We want to be identified with you in your whole life and especially in your redeeming passion. So give us the light. We need to understand this. Give us the strength and the willpower to live this. And give us the heart, the heart to love you and love you with deeds taking up our cross. Lent is a season of penance. We see our Lord Jesus in the beginning of his public mission and the beginning of his public preaching. Tell all of us, repent and believe in the gospel. And repentance, we know, is a turning away from sin. It's a making up for our sins with self-denial. But that word repent, as we've considered before, is very deep. It really means conversion, metanoiate, a radical change of heart, a radical change of mind. And since sin causes us to turn away from God, an aversion to God, as St. Augustine puts it, and a conversion or turning towards creatures, well, to convert, to turn back to God and away from creatures and away from ourself, it takes some work. It takes a correction that is experienced as effort and suffering and self-denial. And so it's good for us to think about the concept of mortification, and more than the concept, the practice of mortification during Lent. And mortification is a very expressive word. It's a word that is quite violent. Mortification comes from mortus facere in Latin. And that means to make dead or to kill. And so as we enter into Lent, Lord, with your help and with your strength and with this desire to follow you more closely, we have to be up for a fight. We have to be up for a battle, a battle against ourselves so that we can put to death whatever needs to be killed in us so that, Lord, your life can live in us. St. Paul puts this very clearly. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit you put to death, you kill, mortus fatra, you make dead, the deeds of the body, you will live. And so the season of Lent is not just a battle, but it's a battle to the death. It's a battle in which our very lives, and especially our spiritual life, is at stake. If you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So perhaps first we can consider bodily mortification, bodily self-denial. This is a huge part of the fasting that we traditionally practice during Lent. The fasting and the abstinence. Denying our body periodically, access to meat that we might like, Fridays, of course, on Ash Wednesday, today. And also denying our body the, the normal amount of food intake, of nourishment that we're used to. And it's good to have others to perhaps fast, not just on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, but to fast once or twice a week during Lent. And as many people do, to give up something to eat that we like or that we've grown too dependent on. Perhaps drinking less coffee or switching from coffee to tea or giving up alcohol or sweets. There are other ways to mortify the body that are very good. Uh, they're difficult, but, but they're good if our health permits it. We can take cold showers. We can sleep on the floor once a week or sleep without a pillow. We can work on our posture. Perhaps we can exercise more if we don't like to exercise or we're not in the habit of it. And these are important. Um, St. Paul basically says, you will live. And there's a battle between the spirit and our spiritual life and our bodily life. St. Josemaria says, you are bored? That's because your senses are awake and your soul is asleep. And so if we're too comfort-seeking, if we are too dependent on physical pleasure, eating the things we like, eating too much, laying around, having too much rest. Well, it kind of drugs our spirit. It drugs our mind and our will. They become drowsy. They kind of get bored. And so spiritual practices, if we find ourselves falling asleep in prayer, we're not being excited about the prayer life or spreading the gospel, if we find our spirit kind of sluggish, it's a good sign that it's kind of sunk into the body, that the spirit has become drugged by too much bodily comfort and too much bodily pleasure. And to snap out of that, right, to wake up our soul, to be more alert, to have our soul quickened, alert, stronger, ready for prayer and ready for charity. While denying our body in these ways, less food or giving up certain things that we really enjoy, 
or finding ways to be less comfortable, cold shower, sleeping on the floor once a week, these kinds of things, they can wake up our soul and they strengthen our will and they give us more spiritual life, spiritual energy. Lord Jesus, help me to live a couple Lenten resolutions in this area. And help me, Lord, to be generous here, to have them be difficult enough so that they actually work, so that they're actually a putting to death of the life of the body. Not the biological life, we're not going to hurt our health, but putting to death the deeds of the body, insofar as those deeds war against the spirit. I think these days another great area of self-denial or mortification is not so much bodily, but it's more in the psychological or mental level. To give up things that we've grown dependent on psychologically or emotionally for rest or for distraction, things like YouTube or Netflix or different social media apps the podcasts that we love or music or games that we play. I discovered recently that you can shut off color on your phone. There's a a control where you can make your phone just grayscale or black and white. And apparently when you do that, just the way our minds work, the phone becomes much less attractive. There's much less of an immediate psychological pull to look at things on the phone when they're, when they're in black and white. There's also extensions that you can use to shut off images on your, on your browser, on Safari or Chrome. You can have an internet without any photos, any pictures. And I did that a while back and I realized, holy cow, I'm really just looking at pictures and and videos on the internet. I'm doing very little reading. When you eliminate all images and all you're left with is text, you realize how tied the internet is just to uh, the sense of sight, right? The curiosity of seeing images of different kinds. Jesus, you enter into the desert for 40 days, and that 40 days is the model and the pattern of Lent for us. And the desert is a place without much distraction. There's not much to look at. There's very little to eat. There's not much water. There's silence. There's not much noise. And Jesus, you enter into the desert those 40 days, and you enter into the wilderness at other times in the gospel in order to pray in order to meet God. Because God in his divine nature, in your divine nature, Lord Jesus, is not identified with anything in the world. Nothing is like God, and God is like no thing. And even though, Jesus, we thank you, we are very appreciative of your creation, and we know we can find God in and through, all created things and all human activities. We also know that to really find God, at times we have to enter into a desert. We have to remove certain external things that have become distractions. 
we have to strip ourselves of certain internal ways of thinking or internal ways of imagining and feeling that have become distractions in order to meet God in silence, to meet God like you, our Lord, did in your prayer in the desert. And so maybe instead of a physical desert, we can go into a kind of a digital desert, right? The digital desert of giving up the dependence we have and the kind of addiction that we can have at times, the compulsion that we have towards using our devices, towards being on the internet, towards listening to music. And that's very important. It creates silence. And that silence will be uncomfortable because our brains get used to stimulation. They get used to that entertainment. They get used to those games. They become dependent on it for joy and for a sense of reward, right? Dopamine and adrenaline, all these other things that neurologists will tell you is going on when you scroll or when you watch a funny video or whatever. And so to, the, to remove them is a sacrifice. It's uncomfortable. We, we get uneasy. We're not used to being in the car, perhaps in silence, or we're not used to having a free moment and not checking our phone or checking social media. And so that creates uh, a kind of void. And voids at first are uneasy. And we can get a little bit anxious, a little bit restless about not having those mental and emotional crutches that we go to. It's like withdrawal. Right? If you give up something that you're addicted to, it creates an uneasiness and it could even create a kind of a little bit of a depressed mood. But this is the fight. This is the battle. We have to be patient with that. We have to accept that. We have to offer that to our Lord because we're looking for him in this desert of Lent. We're looking for him in this physical, perhaps, and also mostly digital desert that we create by being more detached from from these means, from these devices. Silence is the doorkeeper to the interior life. St. Josemaria wrote in the way. Silence is the doorkeeper to the interior life. External silence, if possible, and also internal silence by denying our normal thought patterns, our normal crutches, and our normal modes of being distracted. To try to change that internal monologue that we usually have or that internal distraction that we usually have into a quieter place, a calmer place, so that we can meet God. Be still, be silent, and know that I am God. I think a third area of self-denial that we can consider in Lent is the denial of the ego, right? the, the denial of our very self, at our prideful self. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And so it's not just a matter of giving up some goodies or giving up some apps or the frequency with, with which we look at things or check things. It's also a matter of growing in humility. And this is perhaps harder. It's harder to, to make concrete resolutions in but it might be the most fruitful to look for ways of being detached 
from ourselves, from our ego. That means being detached from our plans, from our own opinions, from our own judgments, from our internal monologue about our life or about other people. To be detached and to really attack our willfulness, our complacency, our vanity, our pride, our sense of self-satisfaction. Because if, if we don't work on humility, well, then the self isn't really being denied. Right? The self is not really dying. And if the self doesn't die, the self that's opposed to God, of course, the willfulness, the willful self, the proud self, if that doesn't die, then, then Jesus can't live in us. He can't take over. He can't live through us. St. Paul says that he's been crucified with Christ and therefore it's no longer he who lives, but Christ who lives in him. And so unless our self-denial reaches not just our, our lower nature, the body and the imagination, those things we've been considering already, but also our higher nature, right, our mind and our will, unless those are also ready for mortification, then Jesus can't live in us and through us. St. Josemaria has great chapters on this in the furrow. There's a chapter entitled Pride and another chapter entitled Humility. There's also a chapter on this in The Way. And so those could be great texts for our mental prayer as we go through Lent to make sure that that our self-denial is not just another form of, of pride. Right? Look at me. I gave up coffee. Or look at me, I'm fasting three times a day. Even if we don't say it to others, we could say it to ourselves and it could be a source of great vanity or great self-complacency. Or look at me, I gave up TikTok <laughs> or whatever the thing is that we're going to use to be closer to our Lord. Unless we're working on humility, those things could just really be keeping us from God right? and keeping us from the self-denial that our Lord wants in order to have us convert, right? in order to have us turn away from creatures and the biggest creature that we're attached to or the most salient one is the self, is ourselves. Mother Teresa really emphasized the importance of humility in her own life, but also to her spiritual daughters in the Missionaries of Charity. And this is something that she wrote to them. She took most of it from a book called This Tremendous Lover by Eugene Boylan. Mother Teresa wrote to her, her daughters, These are a few ways we can practice humility. To speak as little as possible of oneself. To mind one's own business. Not to want to manage other people's affairs. To avoid curiosity. To accept contradiction and correction cheerfully. To pass over the mistakes of others to accept insults and injuries, to accept being slighted, forgotten, and disliked, not to seek to be especially loved and admired, to be kind and gentle even under provocation, never to stand on one's dignity, to yield in discussion even though one is right, to choose always the hardest. And out of that list, Mother Teresa only added 
to a list from that book, the last one, right? To choose always the hardest. And that takes courage. It takes courage to live Lent well. It takes courage to enter into the desert. It takes courage to take up a daily cross to follow our Lord. And so that might be another thing that we pray about with our Lord Jesus is our fears. Many times what keeps us from growing in the prayer life or growing in charity or growing in faith is a kind of fear and that fear at times can be hidden. We don't trust that we'll be happy without our goodies or without our crutches. We don't trust that we'll be happier if we give up our own opinions on things or at least be open to being wrong and having God correct us or others correct us in our way of thinking and our way of evaluating things. And so we're afraid of those changes. And it's a great thing in Lent just to kind of face those and and just to see what happens, to see if we can make those changes anyway, even though we're afraid of them, even though they cause us a little bit of uncertainty or doubt. Because that's faith, isn't it? If we don't trust God, well, then we don't grow in faith. And what is trust if there's no doubt or fear that's present somewhere in our soul? And if we're easy to trust God, would it really be trust? Right? If we were easy to believe him, would it really be belief? Doesn't there have to be something in us that is like afraid of that or opposing that or worried about that in order for it truly to be an act of trust? It's like the, the rule of the synagogue. He comes to Jesus and his daughter is dying. And then in the course of that conversation, he's walking with him towards his home messengers come from his house and they say, do not bother the master any longer. The girl is dead. And Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. And so if there were no natural fear present, the man's belief would be easy. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a real act of trust. It wouldn't be a real act of belief. Of course he's afraid. His daughter is dead. What a terrible thing to have happened to him. And Jesus says, don't fear, only believe. And that act of deciding not to fear, but to believe instead, right? That act of saying, okay, I won't fear, I'll believe. Presupposes that, of course, he's feeling fear in that moment. And so maybe for us, well, we get afraid when Lent starts because it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to, I'm going to be miserable without coffee. I'm going to be miserable picking a few points of self-denial in these different ways that we've considered right? humility, psychological mortifications, bodily mortifications. And perhaps Jesus is saying to us, do not fear, only believe. I put to death the deeds of the body and you'll live. And yeah, it's going to take a little while, right? We have to go through a kind of transition, but, but you're going to be okay. It gets easier. And then we'll come out of Lent and we'll be more detached. And maybe we'll keep some of those practices or those resolutions. Or maybe we'll modify them and we'll be 
a little bit more temperate in our habitual and normal use of technology or our habitual and normal enjoyment of foods and the goodies that, that we gave up, where we'll come out of Lent, our spirit more alive permanently, not just for Lent, but our spirit more alive and our body more put in its place. I found a fantastic passage about self-denial. It's from St. John of the Cross. And I found it in a wonderful book by St. Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedicta. And I think it's, it's, um, it's very challenging. And obviously, we're, most of us listening are not discalced Carmelites, so we have to take this and adapt it to our own life. But the spirit of it is, is very bracing and very beautiful, even though extremely challenging. The following maxims, St. John of the Cross writes, will serve as a thoroughly effective means of mortification and of harmoniously ordering the four natural passions, joy, hope, fear, and sorrow. For where these passions are calmed and well-ordered, the above-named good things plus many others can flourish. So what's he talking about there? He's saying, if you want to enter into a deeper union with God, a better prayer life, we have to put our passions, our emotions, into harmonious order. And the way of putting our passions and emotions into harmonious order, one of the key ways, is self-denial. It is choosing to have them disturbed or choosing to uh, feel their negativity on purpose, right? mortifying our joy, mortifying our hope, mortifying our fears, mortifying our sorrows. Where these passions are calmed and well-ordered, the above-named good things, right, the prayer life, plus many others can flourish. This is why these maxims are of great value and are the root of great virtues. Take care that your inclination is ever directed, and then he goes on to list these maxims. Take care that your inclination is ever directed, not toward the easier, but toward the more difficult. Not toward the pleasant, but toward the unpleasant. Not toward the restful, but toward the troublesome. Not toward the more, but toward the less. Not toward what brings you more joy, but what brings displeasure. Not toward what prepares consolation for you, but toward what makes you disconsolate. Not toward the higher and more valuable, but toward the lowly and insignificant. Not toward what wants to be something, but toward what wants to be nothing. Seek not what is the better in things, but what is worse. Demand for the sake of Christ to enter into total detachment and freedom and poverty from all there is in the world. You should embrace these works from your heart and take care that your will rises to the task. Jesus, you told us, without me, you can do nothing. Without you, Lord, we can do nothing. And certainly, having the spirit, uh, a full-on spirit of embracing the cross for these 40 days of Lent is something that we can't do without your help. And so again, Lord, give us the will to want it. Give us the heart to love it. Give us the mind to understand it. The joy of the cross, the beauty of the cross. If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross every day and follow me. 
Choose always what is hardest, as Mother Teresa says. Jesus, you go into the desert alone for those 40 days, alone to fight the devil and to resist temptation for us, alone to be with God. But we're much more fortunate, Lord Jesus. We go into the desert of Lent with you. And with you, we can do all things. And we also go with our Blessed Mother. And so she's with us, watching over us. Mary, help our Lent to be a true time of conversion, a turning away from creatures and above all from ourselves and a turning towards God an opening up, right? A rending of our heart as we read in today's liturgy. Rend your hearts, not your garments. A rending of our heart so that God can enter into that rent. God can enter into that space we create with our lengthened practices of self-denial. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.